Well, uh, how many people here are you're like me? You are a, you would describe yourself as a people pleaser. Raise your hand. Wow. Some of the reason you just raised your hand was to please me. <laughs> well, if you don't know what a people pleaser is, then you most likely aren't one. And you probably don't even care. So, Well, I have to deal with this tendency. Uh, I want people to like me. Um, I tend to want people to, you know, know that people think I'm cool or articulate or important to them. I am not one of those people who naturally says, I don't care what people think. We, I don't even understand those of you who don't care what people think, okay? That's how much I'm the other way. So I have to fight to stay grounded in who I am in Christ and what God says about me. So this comes into play because it's kind of funny and yet sobering as I preach today because this passage that we're going to study in Luke 8 does not hold out the prospect of huge success in terms of the number of people who will be lastingly affected by the teaching of the Word of God today. As you'll see, we, this may only be about a 25% success rate this morning, okay? Could be that Jesus is at least uh, warning pastors from being cocky so that uh, we don't think we can change people easily, or that he's keeping us from being discouraged if there are not many hearers who re really respond with lasting change. I gained a little bit of uh, encouragement from Charles Spurgeon, who was the English preacher the mid to late 1800s, he was dubbed the Prince of Preachers. And he said this, Our duty as preachers is not measured by the character, character of our hearers, but by the command of our God. We are bound to preach the gospel whether men will hear or whether they will reject it. It is ours to sow beside all waters. Let men's hearts be what they may. The minister must preach the gospel to them, he must sow the seed on the rock as well as the prepared dirt, on the highway as well as the plowed field. So I'd encourage you this morning, take your Bible out or open your app. There's also an insert in your worship folder with the scripture on it as well as some space to take notes. We're going to look at this passage that Christopher just read for us, Luke 8, 4 through 18. Often and uh, many times marked in your Bible even, is the parable of the sower. I would suggest that that is a poor title. Remember, those were added by somebody along the way. I'd suggest that the, really the parable should be the parable of the soils, because it's really about dirt. Okay, We're going to talk about dirt this morning. Last week, we uh, began on Easter talking about the parable of the sons. And over these next several weeks, we're going to be talking through some of Jesus' most famous parables this being one of them, but I want us to kind of back up because of that and talk for a few minutes about what the purpose of Jesus' parables are, okay? What's the purpose of these parables? Well, verse 1 of chapter 8, just back a few verses from where we started, says that Jesus was proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. That's the purpose of Jesus' teaching. He was out proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. These parables are all about the kingdom. It's been said that parables are stories of everyday life to illustrate spiritual truths. Okay, Ordinary things to illustrate spiritual truths. Now, it's also been said that they tell the truth either to illuminate or close spiritual eyes. To illuminate or close spiritual eyes. Now, 
We're going to talk about that some more so that you, you understand that. Luke tells us how Jesus explained the purpose of parables in this situation right here in verses 9 and 10. When his disciples asked him what his parable meant, he said, okay, he doesn't immediately tell them what the parable meant. He tells them what parables are for. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. That is a shocking word, isn't it, from Jesus? You see, understanding of the kingdom of God is a free gift from him to those whom Jesus has chosen his, as his disciples. But then he says, for others, the reason for his parables is so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. The issue is hearing, isn't it? How we hear. Hearing they may not understand. Hmm. Okay, well, it seems in these verses are telling us there are two kinds of hearing. One is with our physical ears, you know, one on each side of our head. But then there are spiritual ears of the heart. Now here's the hard thing and what's shocking about what Jesus is saying. In other words, the parables are part of Jesus' concealing and hardening ministry as well as his revealing and saving ministry. Let me say that again, but backwards. Jesus doesn't have just a revealing and saving ministry. Part of his ministry is to conceal and it hardens. He does both at the same time. Jesus is saying here that there are those who hear the truth and say this makes no sense to me at all. This makes no sense. While there are others who will hear and understand what Jesus calls the mysteries of the kingdom. Two kinds of hearers. What's being described here is a hardening to the gospel. A hardening to the gospel. You see, this is the distinction between a Christ follower, a believer, and an unbeliever. Whether there is a softening or a hardening to the gospel and its message. Ephesians 4.18 says, Their minds are full of darkness. Those who don't hear... They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. See that word? That word hardened. Acts 28, 27. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Now, this passage in Luke, Jesus is actually quoting Isaiah 6, 8 through 10. This is Isaiah's commission from God to be a prophet. The Greek version reads like this, and he said, Go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you, do, when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. See, here's the hard truth. The gospel, like Isaiah's message, is paradoxical in its effect. Meaning it, it has effect on both ends of a spectrum. It has two different impacts. The prophetic word closes the way of God. It closes the way of God to those who are rebellious and proud and hypocritical. 
and who do not see their need for a Savior. But it opens it up in clarity to the deaf and the blind and the humble and poor, those who know their need for a Savior, those who know their need. So an important question for each of us is this today. How am I hearing? How am I hearing today? So that's the purpose of the parables. The purpose of this parable is very interesting. In verse, we see this in verse 4 and verse 11. This is a parable, first off, is found in three of the four Gospels. We can assume that, as we've seen, his purpose is to identify those who hear the truth and those who do not. We've already said all the parables do that. They're to identify which kind of hearer you are. Okay? But this, so in general, this is the purpose, to enlighten or conceal, okay? The word's going to be opened up, it's going to make sense, or it's going to close off, the person's going to harden. This parable reveals to us the details, then, of how that takes place. Make sense? General parables, okay, what kind of hearer you are? Are you going to hear the word? Is it going to soften you? Are you going to hear the word? Is it going to harden you? This parable is how that takes place, why that's going on and what's, go- what's happening. We see that confirmed in verse 11. The issue is hearing. How do you hear the preaching of the word of God? How do you hear it? Well, in order to understand the purpose of this parable, we'll see who it's for. In verses 2 through 4, present, sitting there listening to Jesus that day, would have been many of Jesus' followers, his disciples, those who have been impacted by his ministry. And then there was the crowd that had come to hear him in verse 4. Now, this isn't a random crowd in a town. These are those who had made an effort. They specifically came to hear him preach. And he's speaking to and about what's been called the gathered, okay? Those who have come to hear him. So this is about you today. This is about you sitting here listening to the word of God preached. Hopefully it is done fairly well. And you and I would have been the ones sitting and listening to Jesus, We would have made an effort. We would have come for whatever reason to be in this place today. Maybe your mom made you, whatever. Maybe there were people there thinking, you know, maybe he's going to do that food thing again. We don't know. But they had come to gather together, just like we do. We come to gather together on a weekend. Today, this would be us. Those of us who on any given weekend are sitting here in this place listening to the word of God be taught and preached, okay? Well, what is this parable about? Specifically, what is this about? The end of verse 8 tells us. Now, as we've already seen, it's about hearing, and yet at the same time, it's about not hearing. Seeing, and yet not seeing. It's about those who think they've heard, but have not heard. Now, we as parents understand this, okay? The ultimate proof of hearing is what? Obedience, right? Okay. We know, kids, that you have heard when the garbage can is actually at the street. Okay? That's how we know. It's obedience. What are we doing with the truth that we hear? What is our response to the gospel? Then at the end of verse 8, Jesus makes sure that we get the point about hearing, and he says, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Now, interesting in this passage, it says, while he was speaking, he declared. So it's it's almost as though, here's here's my theory. 
that somebody had fallen asleep. Not that that ever, ever would happen. But it's as though Jesus was saying, now let me tell you about these hearers. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Thank you, sir. That may be, it's just, you know, it's just my theory. Okay? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means it's not enough to just have physical ears. There is another kind of ear that only some people have. And those can hear. These are spiritual ears, an ear that hears in the preaching of the word more than mere words. There is a beauty and a truth and a power that these ears hear as compelling and transforming and renewing. That's the kind of hearing Jesus is calling for. Specifically, this parable explains why this message has different effects on different people. Okay? We're going to see four different kinds of hearing in this parable. It's not that the message is defective or that it is true for some people but not for others. The message is the message of God. The issue is that many people fail to experience the life-changing power of God's message because they don't respond to it in a life-giving way. Make sense? Now, I was going to have props here this morning. I have been called the prop pastor, but I don't have any today because these would have been dangerous because I needed stoves with pots of boiling water on them. Thought it might not be a good idea, okay? So work with me here, okay? So on each side here, we're going to have a stove with a pot of boiling water, and then I'm going to have two items. In this pot, I'm going to put an egg, okay? We're going to drop it in the boiling water, and over here, I'm going to come to this pot of boiling water, and I'm going to dump in a potato, okay? They're both boiling away. Let's wait. <laughs> Thus, the other reason I don't have these props here today, okay? What's happening to the egg? It's hardening, right? It's hardening. Let's go over and check our potato. What's it doing? Softening. Is it the fault of the water? The, the, the water's the same, right? See, the same water. Different responses to the water. Okay? Now, I realize all metaphors break down somewhere, but work with me here, okay? <laughs> Same water, different responses. That's what Jesus is saying. The issue is not the message. The message is the same. The response to the message differs based upon what kind of hearer hears it. Okay? We have softening and we have, whoops, we have softening and we have it doesn't matter anymore. We don't remember where the potato was. Okay. <laughs> we have softening and hardening going on at the same time. See how that's happening in the message? The message is going out. It's hitting these hearers' ears, and some are softening to the message of the gospel, the message of truth. Others are hardening to it. Okay? So, what's what in this parable? Real quickly, you've already figured some of this out, but let's make sure we know. The sower, interestingly enough, is only mentioned one time. Okay? The sower is the person who's preaching, who's teaching, who's sharing the word of God, who's sharing the gospel. That's the sower. Okay? Not the point of the story. Then there's the seed, the word of God. Jesus even tells us later in the passage, the seed is the word of God. Couldn't be clearer. This is the truth, the gospel. And then the soils, what are those? Those are different kinds of hearing. Alright? So, we're almost to the actual parable. 
But I want us to go to the end of the passage, to verse 18, and I have a challenge for you right now, sitting right here. Look at verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. If you have ears to hear, if you have a good and honest heart, then you will be given understanding, you will be given a life of fruitfulness. That can be the outcome. But if you don't have ears to hear, if you do not have a good soil, then even what you think you have will be taken away. This is a huge issue. This is important. Salvation hangs on this. Whether we truly know Jesus hangs on this idea of taking care how we hear. Hearing is a high calling. It doesn't come naturally. It is a gift, but it can be sought. Or otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said in verse 18, take heed how you hear. He's not saying you're stuck with how you're hearing. No, take hear, heed how you hear this message. It's important. And there are two parts. There's the positive, whoever has, to him more shall be given. But then there's a negative side to this. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. As we'll see in just a minute, but I want, to, want you to know ahead of time what we're looking at. The point of verse 18 is to interpret what happens in the four soils that we're going to talk about. And three times, three of the soils, it comes true that whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. You'll see a taking away of truth, okay, that it doesn't sink in. And then one time, the fourth soil, the opposite comes true. Whoever has, to him more shall be given. There's abundance in that fourth soil. If you hear with the right heart, aware of your own sinfulness, then more will be given to you. Good spiritual things will be given to you. Salvation will come to you. So, all right. Now we should totally understand what's coming next, right? We know about the parables. We know what this parable is about. We're looking for what? Kinds of hearers, right? All right? And what, as we do, we're going to see people who are hardened to the gospel. We're going to see people who are softened to the gospel. So, the sower is out there. He's throwing the seed. This is a different kind of field in the first century than we know of today. Not overly planned as much. No big tillers out there. This is just basic kind of space. People would walk through fields. There'd be certain areas of the ground that would get hard because people were walking them. You got oxen going everywhere. You know, all this kind of stuff. There's big rocks that couldn't be moved because they didn't have the kind of... Uh, Materials that we have today to be able to move things, okay? So you got all these rocks all over the place. you got all kinds of stuff going on. And it's not like they're just throwing it anywhere. They're trying to keep it where they believe it will grow. And Because then you got the tilled ground that they've been able to work, okay? Verse 8, Jesus says, here's the first kind of soil, the first kind of dirt. Some fell, some of the seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. The first soil is the path. It's been that... That stuff that's trampled down, okay? This is that spot in your yard, probably out near the street that gets hit by stuff. It's where your garbage can hits. It's where you're, you know, it's where I'm trying to get grass to grow right now, okay? It gets hard. It gets trampled down. It's, nothing's, nothing's going into it. 
Jesus interprets this in verse 12. And interestingly enough, as we look at these th uh, four soils, Jesus tells us what they each mean. Okay? He rarely does this, where he tells what the meaning of the parable is, but here he does it as he goes along. Okay? Verse 8, we got this seed on this path. Verse 12, the ones along the path are those who have heard. They've heard. Remember, this is about hearers. They've heard, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. These are people who are hearers only. They don't believe. But often, here's what I find, they enjoy hearing the gospel preached. They enjoy it. I believe there are people like this right here every weekend. But here, they're hearing Satan comes along and takes away the word. They think they have the word, but the devil snatches it away. The word of, of the gospel lies on the surface of the heart, but it never enters in. It's just kind of laying there, and then the birds come, stuff steals it, takes it away. The truth never really roots, because it doesn't even have a chance. It doesn't have the slightest real impact. See, there are some like this here today. As soon as you go back home to your house today, you will most likely forget what God has said to you. Because you came, it's kind of feel good. This is your habit. You come, you enjoy it for, some, for whatever reason. You know, okay, I like the speakers or the music is nice or I like seeing people. I come. This is what I've done for the last 50 years of my life. I just come and I sit here and I hear, but I go home and I forget. You know, I think an interesting question is how well you remember the words of the sermon on Monday without looking at your notes. The evil one comes along, entices you with the sin and desires of your own flesh. It all, life just takes over and it becomes more important. You forget because it occupies, really the word occupies an hour or so of your mind in any given week. You feel good after going to church, then you go right back to life and think nothing of it. Now it's hard, but this is the churchgoer. Remember, we're talking to us, right? This is the gathered. This isn't about all those heathen outside the walls. This is about us right here. That this is the churchgoer filled with nothing more than self-serving religiosity and self-reliance for the needs of life. You just go to church for you. You listen to the word, you hear it. It's just religiosity. It's just fake. Because it just falls on the, the hardened path. This is like, this would be like, let's go out onto 270, everybody, and throw a bunch of seed. It's not going to have any impact whatsoever. Then Jesus moves on to the next soil. This is the rocks. Some rocky ground. Verse 6, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. You can see, like, rocks around, and maybe it's getting in the little cracks between the rocks, and it's finding a little bit of dirt down there, and maybe it's kind of springing up, but it withers away. There's no, ultimately, there's no moisture. It's not getting any light. It's not going to grow. It's just going to get pushed out by the rocks. Verse 13, the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. Yay! Jesus! But they have no root, no root. They believe for a while and in a time of testing, fall away. This, 
what's being said? Well, this is a person who hears, receives with joy. There's an outward emotion of, oh, this is good. This is awesome. This is, this is life-changing. This is a good way to live. I heard the same thing on Oprah last week. This is awesome, okay? This is, this is great. This is, you know, if, if I do some of those things, some of this stuff that's being, that I'm hearing from the pulpit, this will be good for me. These are professed believers, but they're shallow and weak when trials and tests come. Emotions alone are not a bad thing, but they are not a sure sign of true affection to Christ. There is a danger in giving credence to immediate responses and quick beliefs. This is why Paul said to Timothy, don't lay hands suddenly on anyone. Quick results are not always real. It is over time that you can know the deep and complete work of Christ in you. It's over time. Yes, there is often an immediate and profound change in our lives when we come to Jesus. But we see in these verses the importance of testing and hard times in a person's life. Now, let me make a side note here. If you are listening and trying to find the truth, what I want to tell you is as best the truth as I can do. Giving your life to Christ will not solve all your problems. It will not make your life easy. It will not put better cars in your driveway and more money in your pocket. It will not keep you from suffering. It will not keep people in your life and family from passing away. It will not do any of that. What it will do is change you from the inside out because the Holy Spirit will reside in you and you will respond differently to the things that are happening in your life. You see, it's one thing to trust in Jesus when all is well and amazing. It is quite another to trust Jesus when hard times hit and life is hard and your faith is tested. Time is an excellent clarifier. There can be natural excitement, right? We, 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 we come to church for the first time, and, it's, and that's kind of cool, and it wasn't as boring as I thought it would be, and there are really cool people around me, and I, what, there are young, other young couples here. I didn't know that anyone under 50 went to church. That's awesome. I didn't realize that other single people, I didn't realize, you know, if I'm a guy, it's, I didn't realize cute single girls went to church. So here's what happens, what can happen. You enjoy being around those people. You enjoy the environment because it's positive and people are kind and you know, they're, you're getting they're getting involved in your life and they're helping you out. But do you enjoy being around them and not really Jesus? Are you intrigued and drawn in by the love and the care of a church but never truly bow your knee to Jesus? There is a difference. See, the soil that had the rocks failed to hear the way it should because it didn't have strong rooting. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. It's in a good place. It's actually about what nurtures it. 
the root that nourishes fruitful hearing is the root of faith. It's real deep faith. Hearing begets faith, and faith begets better hearing. It continues to grow because it's rooted in the right thing and in the right place. Verse 13 where Jesus is explaining this parable, describes the person who thinks they have the word and they think they have true spiritual faith and joy, but they have no root to sustain them in time of trouble. So it all falls apart. Now, I'm not saying that the, we don't struggle, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we don't struggle, we don't question, but that our roots are deep enough to where ultimately we understand the truth and we, we come back to it. See, we're talking about a faith that is superficial enthusiasm that is real only for the fair weather days. And so when the trials come, what they think they have, remember this when Jesus said, what you think you have is taken away. Maybe your belief in Jesus is for the perks of the faith and not the perils. Maybe you're drawn to the prosperity gospel. If that's what you're drawn to, this is not the place you want to be. As long as you live the good life, God's okay. As long as life is good, God is good. This is the person that made no real changes in their life, kept all the rocks in the ground. You see, they didn't pitch the porn and stop the gossiping and stop treating others cruelly and playing favorites and hanging on to their favorite sins, but they hide it all at church. This is, the, this is the soil where there are rocks. Okay, side note. When people say they don't like Christians because they're hypocrites, you know why that is? Because we are. Because there are hypocrites in the church. There's a lot of people who think they have the truth, who think they know Jesus, and they don't. And they're trying to mix truth, and then life as they want it. That's why people don't come to Jesus. <laughs> okay, back to the sermon. Third soil, it's among thorns. Verse 7, some fell among thorns, and thorns grew up with, up with it and choked it. Verse 14, Jesus says, and is, for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. These are those who hear and receive, but there's no fruit. There's no good fruit. This is a hearing where worries, and interestingly enough, not just bad stuff, hearing, riches, and pleasures choke out the word. They think they have the word of God, but when the worries and riches and pleasures of life come, what they think they have is taken away, they, and they fail to bear fruit. The text seems to make the point that either too much good or too much bad take away the seed and impact the seed, chokes it out so it won't grow. This is, if you, if you want to see this, just go home and find that patch of crabgrass in your yard that just continues to thrive. It's choking out the good stuff that you actually want growing there. See, these are people who made a decision once to follow Christ somewhere in life maybe, Never followed through on the lifelong commitment part. The newness of it all kind of passes away or the cute girl left and went somewhere else. Or maybe, you know, I got into ministry with people and they were kind of weird and hard to get along with and so I don't really want this anymore. 
or it's not all the way it was. Some of the excitement has gone away, so I really, eh, whatever. I don't want that. The familiar calls us back, right? For, let's face it, for, for many of you who have come to Christ, you've, you were around the world much longer than you've been around Jesus. And the familiar calls back. This familiarity with sin will never, it never truly goes away, fully goes away, and it's, but it's very easy to mix the two and make this conglomeration of the church and worldly living, of a relationship with Christ and still hang on to all the junk that I had before. This is a very dangerous place to be spiritually. Even, it says, it affects your own assumption that because of prayer or membership in a church or even a good reputation that you're a follower of Jesus. See, I wonder how many are here even today and because other people sitting on the same row as you think you're a Christian, that must mean you are. That because you happen to be here every week, you're a Christian, right? See, the most dangerous gospel is the assumed gospel. Where we assume that we're Christians because we hear it every week. But has it gotten in and started to grow or has it gotten choked out by life? The most depressing scripture in all of the word of God, I believe, is in Matthew 7 where it says this in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, that day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You see, the, the, the seed that gets in the the ground that gets choked out by the thorns, that gets choked out is, is the one where it becomes so self-deceiving that you're even going to the extent of you're prophesying and you're casting out demons and you're doing all these great works, but it has nothing to do with the relationship that you have with Jesus. It has nothing to do with saving faith that changes your life. And then Jesus comes to the last soil, the good soil. Right next to this, this is who I want to be, okay? If there's any doubt, that's what you put next to that one. Verse 8, and some fell into good soil. Guess what? It grew and yielded a hundredfold. Verse 15, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The good soil represents people who respond to his message with an honest and good heart. Now, this doesn't mean that we are, you know, super righteous. If you were on, on our own, if you were, you wouldn't need Jesus' forgiveness. It means that, rather, that you are honest about your need for Jesus' message, that you're humble, deeply aware of your need, and you agree that you've rebelled against God and are guilty before him. You admit that you are incompetent to direct your own life. So when you hear this message that Jesus can, will forgive you and guide you reliably through life, you respond by giving yourself to Jesus as your forgiver and as your guide. If you have spiritual ears, Jesus says, then you will be given understanding of this. Your desire is to hear, and then as growth takes place, you continue to live in loving obedience to Jesus. And then look at the outcome. It says it's a hundredfold. 
And I don't know exactly what that means, but it means a hundred times the amount of spiritual fruit is produced because you are someone truly transformed by the gospel. See, if we're truly transformed by the gospel, we should be able to see fruit. We should be, be able to see what is happening in our lives and the lives of others around us we'll see in a moment because of our belief in the truth and our dependence upon the gospel. You know who you were and who you are because of Jesus. And while you're not perfect and sinless, you are continuing to be used by God for his glory. The soil, this is a soil that nothing is held back. There's no shallowness to it. There's nothing out to get at it. This soil will go deep and allow the person to gain a firm foundation that will stand sun and drought and the perils of life. And it grows over time with the truth of the gospel. It is nourished constantly, watered and, and, and fed by prayer and the study of the word and acts of faith and the fellowship of the body and self-discipline and obedience to the clear teaching of scripture and regular repentance. These people are the ones that we look at and, and we, we realize nothing is going to shake them because of their dependency upon Jesus Christ and the gospel in their lives. You see, these are those who don't build their faith on our own righteousness or our good feelings or our good deeds. So what do we discover? Three of the four hearings, I hate to say it, three of the four hearings are not redeeming. Hearing is not enough. Obedience with good fruit is the point. Those are the four soils. Why is it important how you hear the word of God? Look at verse 16 and 17. What's the point? What does Jesus want us to hear? Why is this ultimately important? No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. There is no reason to take in God's word and do nothing with it. Jesus declares that the fruit of the hearing of the good soil is a life, of, is a life that shines in the world so that people who are coming in may see and know the way to enter. See, we're back to the hypocrites point again. Every person... As you enter, I hope if you're new here today or in the last few weeks that as you walked in, what you see is people truly seeking after Jesus. Of people truly impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ, realizing we are nothing. And in Him, we're every, we have everything. See, when your lamp is lit by the Word of God, your life becomes a life a light of faith and joy and good deeds. Don't hide it. So we're going to finish up with a self-evaluation soil test. Okay? I'm going to give you four things, and then one, I'm going to give you some ideas. Number one, first question, what kind of dirt am I? Okay, be nice. My wife told me not to say that. What kind of hearer am I? Take a moment, let God speak, acknowledge what he's telling you. This is important. What kind of hearer am I? Number two, how do I prepare to hear the word of God taught and preached? How do I apply this, this command to take heed what I hear? 
how do I do that? How do I prepare for that? Let me give you six quick ideas. Pray for a good and honest heart to hear before you come on a Sunday morning or Saturday night. Spend time before you come into this building asking God for spiritual ears to hear the truth. Now, what does that mean? That means take some time. We're going to get to that in a minute. Number two, meditate on the Word of God throughout the week so that a hunger is stirred up in you to hear the Word of God. Remember, uh, Henry Goulet a couple weeks ago said, you know, make sure you're getting kind of an appetizer to come in and get that main course. Psalm 19 says that this is something that's to be desired more than gold. That the words of God are to be desired more than gold. Third idea, be physically ready. Be physically ready to hear the word. What I mean by that is rest. Don't stay up on Saturday night till the wee hours of the morning and then expect to be ready to take in the word on Sunday morning. Don't rush. Get up a little early. Take time to be, have time to sit and open up the word. You know, many of you, while you drink your coffee, I get it, I get it. Don't rush. Without sufficient rest, we're not alert, our minds are dull, our emotions are flat and unenergetic, our susceptibility to depression is higher, and our fuses are shorter. Not a good way to hear the word. Be physically ready. Number four, stay away from controversy and quarreling before you come to church. Now, I realize, I'm just going to say this because I know this is none of you, that things happen in the car on the way to church or in the house before you get in the car and then they continue in the car. And if you have kids, I know this truly never happens, okay? But when there's something, let me just give you an idea. When there's something that you're angry about or some conflict that you know genuinely needs to be talked about, let me just give you an, a hint. Hang in there and put it off till after. Let me tell you what'll happen. If you can even remember what it is, which will tell you how important it was to begin with, you're going to go at it with a completely different attitude and heart if you've taken in the word. Number five, now the next two, this is what my mother called meddling, okay? Number five, be here early so that you can focus your mind's attention and your heart's affection. Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Be early. Come and take in the whole, you know, stuff actually starts at five minutes till the hour when the, when the team comes out and does a prelude and you got some time just to, and even before that, it's fairly quiet in here. There are a few people talking, but you can come and sit and be quiet. And then number six, stay till the very end. Don't, I'm going to challenge you not to let anything else, not appointments, not lunch, whatever, get in the way of what you need to hear. If you rush out in order to get to an appointment or be first in line at the buffet or even to just beat the crowds in the children's wing, and they're there, I admit it, okay? You're missing out on God's complete word to you. I challenge you to try it and prove me correct. I often, if I see somebody leave early, I think that next song or that statement at the end by Pastor Steve or whoever's preaching is probably the thing God had for them. And they missed out. So those are just some ideas. Third question, do I how do I tend to listen to the Word of God? How do I tend to listen to it? Do I come with a spirit of teachability? 
not to be impressed or not to be made to feel good or even come to be impacted or ch changed. I just come to, for whatever God has for me. I come to hear the truth. I come in teachableness. And the last one, last question in this test, how do I usually respond to the truth I hear? How do I usually respond to it? I heard, I've heard this phrase, the way to grow is to obey what you know. The way to grow is to obey what you know. Look at the very, later on in this passage, in the same chapter, verse 21, very interesting verse, says, Jesus says this, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So Jesus just talked about the soils. He talked about not hiding it or anything. And then he says, you want to be my family? You want to be part of the kingdom of God? You see what he's saying here? Those who are truly his family, his spiritual sons and daughters, his brothers and sisters, is ultimately proven out. The truth of what kind of soil you are shows up in your obedience to the gospel and its ongoing work in your life. The ones I call family are those who hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and uh, even the chance to be able to share it today. God, I pray that you'd, you'd use it with all its glitches and problems in the presentation. And God, that God, you would, would touch the seed of your word today and let it root in hearts. Father, I pray for those who they, maybe they've identified their hearing as a, a soil that is not truly taking in the word of God. May they come today to you committing to hearing the truth of the gospel. God, I believe there are probably some here in this celebration as well as the others that have realized that they're, they don't have a true faith in Jesus Christ. God, I pray that today you'd bring them to you. That this would be the day of true salvation. God, I pray for those who are seeking to hear the truth, want to know you. God, may you continue to work in their hearts. Keep that, that seed watered and flourishing so they can grow in an understanding of you to that point where they give you their life, where they bow their knee to Jesus. Father, whatever you're doing in our midst today, may we be open to it. May we hear and obey. 